It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Tuesday, August 25th. Um, bit of a grab bag here. Got a lot to talk about, though. Feel like it's going to be a, a long show here. We're going to talk about a video piece from SB Nation about Anderson Silva and why I think it's uh, a dumb piece. Um, a whole bunch of assorted UFC news. Um, not a whole ton going on, but there there are some announcements, some fight announcements. Um, you know, some heavyweight talkers that we'll get to. Let's see what we, what we have pulled up here. Uh, yeah, a whole bunch of whole bunch of stuff. We'll talk Darren Till, uh, Jack Hermanson, um, Amanda Nunes, and Megan Anderson. Um, so, so some stuff like that. Um, if we have time, we'll get to some NBA talkers. Uh, I kind of want to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers um, and the uh, <laughs> the mess they have going on over there, but. Uh, I feel like that might be cut because I think there's going to be a, a longer show. Um, and we'll also very, very briefly um, preview the Contender Series because I haven't really done any research. But it is fun to make predictions because predictions make things uh, funner. So, I mean, we'll take a look at that. I mean, that's a big thing going on uh, tonight in a few hours. So, um, a lot to talk about here. Um, don't think I have any housekeeping to get to. Um, hopefully, hopefully, I think it's been a couple of weeks since we've done uh, the main card showdown as a podcast. Um, we'll try to do that, but, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to get people together. You know what I mean? People are busy. People got different schedules. So um, we'll, we'll try to do that. But, uh, yeah, that's about it. So, uh, like I said, I wanted to talk to this very interesting piece uh, that uh, came across my uh, Facebook feed. Um, it's from, it's from about two weeks ago. Um, so kind of interesting timing because nothing, I think that was before Silva had the fight announcement with, uh, Uriah Hall. And I don't know, I'm kind of neutral on SB Nation, to be honest with you. Um, I like some of the video pieces they do. They clearly, they clearly have money behind them. Uh, so I watched the video. It's uh, it's titled "How Anderson Silva Tarnished His Once Perfect Legacy," and it's about 15 minutes. It's pretty well done. It's pretty well done. They have a lot of money uh, behind it, um, although they're <laughs> just just from a just from a, uh, a producing standpoint. There's things I would improve. I probably wouldn't have my. Uh, uh, announcer guy, I'd probably pay, you know, if I have all this money to make this video, I probably wouldn't have somebody w- uh, who has a, a weak voice and, and a lisp uh, do the, the voiceover work on it. I probably would get a professional person to do it, or at least somebody who just kind of sounds good. Um, not somebody who sounds like they're um, on Ambien, uh, because we like a little energy uh, in, in our, our videos. Um but I was kind of stunned for how much money, and it, it looks like, I mean, the graphics are awesome, uh, you know, they, they do cool stuff like that, 
but it's it's kind of interesting, and you'll see this with journalism. Um, and I mean, I guess this, SB Nation is a, is a journalism website. This isn't necessarily journalism. It's just more of kind of an entertainment piece, but there is research involved w- with doing something like this. And it's interesting because I can tell that whoever made this is probably not that big of a fan of Anderson Silva or not that big of a fan of the UFC because it's interesting because pe- people know this. And so I have a four-year degree in journalism and it was one of the things that, I mean, anybody anybody could know this, but I, I particularly remember uh, w- when I kind of came to the realization that a lot of journalism is bullshit. A lot of journalism is not exactly how it happened. It might be mostly how it happened, but it's not quite entirely. So whatever your expertise is, you're listening to this, so you're probably a sports fan. But, you know, if if you're a, if you're an agriculture expert, I don't know, you're a fucking farmer, and you see some some ag piece by some journalist who is is uh, a, sports, a sports journalist. <clears throat> now, if you're a good enough journalist, you can make it work, but... Uh, you're probably going to see a whole lot of errors because that's your expertise. So this is why people really need to look into things. So me being, well, I don't want to say an expert in MMA because I'm not, but I'm a pretty big fan. But like, oh, I see this and I go, yeah, that's not really how it happened. But I, I guess you could fool people who, who this wasn't their expertise. So, I mean, pretty much the whole premise is, they spend like the first couple of minutes setting up Anderson Silva. Oh, he's one of the greatest of all time. Uh, they have they have a real spooky graph, and he keeps going up and up and up because he keeps getting all these wins to show you that he's rising. Um, wow, I mean, you know, he had a, he had a once perfect legacy. Um, you know, he's beating all these guys. Heck, he even beat some guys at light heavyweight. And you go, yeah, okay, uh, he had all these great performances. Well, yeah, kinda. Anderson, Anderson Silva did have a lot of great performances for sure. Also added some stinkers as well. Um, obviously one of the greatest of all time. And and like I've said on the past few shows, on my Mount Rushmore of MMA, Anderson Silva's on there. He's on there. He's number he's number three, uh, just behind John Jones and, and GSP. So like, the video really starts at one sixty. Ah, oh, shit, what was that? Uh, was it 162 or 163, or am I completely off? Either way, the first time he fought Chris Weidman. Oh, he loses to Chris Weidman. Um, well, that's, that's you know, the start of the downfall for Anderson Silva. That, you know, but whatever, that's a legitimate uh, fight. You kind of acted like a, a dickhead, and, you know, you got knocked out. Well, that kind of sucks. That's embarrassing. But whatever. Now, I kind of want to say this because... We all know the story of Anderson Silva, and I'll get into it for each of the fights and everything that the video goes into, and I would encourage you to watch it, even though it's not... I mean, it's all right, but it's definitely not entirely factual. So, like, the thing is, Anderson Silva heading into that first Chris Weidman fight was 33-4. and Now, that's a, that's a very impressive record. That's very, very good. But to act like Anderson Silva had a perfect legacy up to that point... Not really, man. Did he have one of the greatest legacies of all time? Yeah, for sure. But he had four losses. Now, <laughs> I, I guess my point is everybody loses. So it's not like Anderson Silva was 33-0. and 0. Like, we've seen Anderson Silva lose. Now, I don't think we saw him lose in the UFC to that point. It was, it was The losses came in pride. But, like, he lost to Yushin Okami. Uh, I mean, it was his fault. But, you know, 
looking at it, he got choked out by Daiju Takasi and uh, Ryo Chonin. So, you know, he's he's lost before. So, it, you know, to act like he, he had a, a perfect legacy, he had a really, really good one, maybe the best of all time to that point. But it's not it's not perfect. Um, and, and this will make sense with how they ended the, the piece. But I, I just I figured I should just kind of throw that out there. Um, but I, I think we all knew that. I think we all knew that. But yeah, one of the one of the best of all time. So loses to Chris Weidman. Uh, yeah, that sucks. And and you know this is where they start planting the seed of, um, well Anderson was was 37 when he took on Chris Weidman. He was already talking about retirement. He wanted to leave. He wanted to leave. But the UFC made him come back. They gave him a Bentley. They made him come back. No, I don't. I disagree with that premise. I don't think Anderson Silva wanted to retire. I don't. I, did he think about it? Yeah, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. Just like I'm sure every single fighter probably thinks about retirement after every single fight, or at least certainly older fighters. I guarantee they they all think about retirement. Now, whether or not they're serious or whether or not they say anything to the media, okay, that's a different thing. But like Stipe said after that fight was D, with DC, he thinks about retirement after every single fight he's ever had. Okay, but he's never retired yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Someday he will. Someday he will. But I, I completely disagree with the premise that Anderson Silva was seriously thinking about retiring because there's, and, and this is the thing, and we talked about it with DC, and I'll, I'll, ah, fuck it, I'll blow my load here, but nobody ever leaves this sport unscathed. So like, oh, look at this downfall of Anderson Silva. Oh, all right, but everybody has a downfall. Like, nobody... Nobody outside of George fucking St. Pierre has ever left this sport on top in, in, in the, well, in the modern era where shit actually matters. I don't know. Maybe there was somebody who left on top in UFC fucking seven or something, but you know what I mean? Ever since MMA got good, nobody has ever left on top. You look at the greatest DC left on two losses, uh, uh, Khabib, uh, props to him. He might, he might be able to leave on top if he retires at 31, you know, but he's still got two te- two tough tests. And GSP, if he comes back and loses to Khabib, he didn't leave on top. Now, nobody would fault him because, you know what I mean, he's, he's still one of the greatest of all time. But leaving on top is not important for your legacy. I mean, it it is, but it isn't. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's, that's a very impressive thing. But does DC losing his last fight taint his legacy? Not really, because you've already built up your legacy. You know what I mean? Does, does Michael Bisping losing his last two fights take away from the fact that he was uh, a champ and avenged his loss to Dan Henderson? No, not at all. It's a part of the equation, but in my opinion, it's a very small part of the equation. It, 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 in my opinion, the end, of your, the end of your career, because most people's end of their career ends not how they want to, uh, I don't really dock that against you. It, again, it's, it's weird because it is a part of the equation. It is you and your career. But like, oh, okay, like, was Tyron Woodley not one of the most dominant welterweight champions we've ever seen just because, you know, he lost the belt after four title defenses and then, you know, got smoked by Gilbert Burns? No, it's a thing that happened, but that doesn't take away from the from him smoking Darren Till and, and figuring out the puzzle that was Wonderboy twice and, you know, stopping like fucking 27 takedowns from Damian Maya. Like, no. It doesn't take away. So, I just kind of want to get this out there. Anderson Silva's end of his career, his last, Jesus, damn near seven years, 
doesn't take away from how dominant he was in his prime. You know what I mean? Tell tell Vitor Belfort that 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 you know front kick didn't mean anything because well look at, when he was an old motherfucker he lost a lot of fights after he shouldn't have been fighting. Okay, he still knocked the fuck out of Vitor Belfort. So you see what I'm saying? It's it's kind of irrelevant. So then he comes back, suffers the broken leg versus Weidman. Okay, I mean, what do you want me to say about that? I mean, it was a freak injury. Yeah, Weidman checked the leg kick, but leg leg kicks get checked all the time. That that injury literally could happen to anybody. It, it literally, you know what I mean? So I, I don't, I'm not saying Chris Weidman didn't win that fight because I, I think Weidman won both fights. I think if you act like a dickhead and you get knocked out, then that fucking sucks. Weidman won the first fight. You shouldn't have acted that way. And then, you know, a freak injury. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, but a freak injury injury doesn't take away the fact that Weidman won the fight. I mean, if you get injured, you lose the fight. I'm sorry. That's how, that's how it is. We can't let you win the fight just because you got injured. Um, but but it was a freak. It was a freak injury. Could have happened to literally anybody. And it wasn't really him breaking his leg on the kick. Apparently, from what I've heard, uh, he he had a he well he likely had a micro fracture in his leg from a, a, a kick earlier in the fight, and then suffered the complete fracture when he did that. Um, but all right, it's a, I mean, that could have happened to John Jones. It could have happened to fucking anybody. Uh, okay, so then he comes back, has the no contest with, with uh, Nick Diaz, which he wins, but it's a no contest because both of the fighters pop for steroids. Okay, well, that is the, that is perfectly legitimate. I mean, Anderson, Stil- Anderson Silva being on steroids, that definitely taints his legacy. No question about it. As I need some more coffee here so I don't start sounding like the fucking announcer in that video. Uh, who was falling asleep. Um, but, yeah, that's a perfectly legitimate thing. But I hate to tell you this, and believe me, if you take steroids and, and you're a mixed martial artist, you're a scumbag because it's a it's a it's the most contact sport you possibly could, could be a part of. But I hate to tell you this, but when Nate Diaz lisps his way through saying, uh, they're, all on, they're all on steroids, uh, yeah, he's he's fucking correct. Maybe not anymore because we have USADA and it's uh, it's pretty hard to sneak one past you know old fucking pictogram over there. But um, sorry to break it to you, but everybody was on steroids back then. Steroids were fucking legal in in the form of uh, TRT. <laughs> like, look at B- look at Vitor Belfort before and after, and tell me that fucking you know TRT is not fucking. Whatever, I'm not a fucking doctor, but tell me that that's not, you know, almost almost as good or, you know, on the same level as, like, Osterine or some shit like that. Like, ah, he, so whatever, man. They all were on all were on steroids, and if they ever kept the piss from some of these drug tests back then, uh, why do you think, why do you think the UFC is never going to go back and, and retest some of these, these piss samples? Uh, because we'd find out the entire sport's not legit, which I think we all know. <clears throat> excuse me, but we don't, we don't want to know, ignorance is bliss, now you're still a scumbag, but back in the day, dude, fucking, everybody who's ever fought for pride has come out and said that they, they don't, they specifically put it in the fucking contract, they didn't test for, uh, steroids, so, okay, you're telling me Anderson Silva was on steroids, and, and he popped for it, uh, yeah, is Santa Claus not real as well, like, 
Y you would have to be remarkably naive to not think that most fighters from 2000 to 2000 fucking... When did USADA come in? 2015? From, from 2000 to 2014, you'd have to be fucking smoking reefer to think that most people weren't on steroids. Now, that's not to say some people weren't, but, I mean, Jesus, like, I don't know. That was just a commonly accepted thing to do. It was still a bad thing to do. I'm not supporting it or con uh, condoning it, but uh, it's just how it was. So, you, you tell me Anderson Silva popped? Yeah, uh, all right, is the fucking sky blue? Um, so, whatever, but that is a legitimate thing. You know, like, uh, you know, Vitor, Chael Sonnen, and Anderson Silva. I mean, that's def when you talk about their, their careers, you're going to have to talk about them, you know, popping uh, or being on uh, TRT. So then he comes back and he loses a decision to Michael Bisping. All right. I mean, tough fucking fight. The guy became a champ five months later. Five months later, all fucking left hook Larry. So, all right. Uh, then he comes back and loses a unanimous decision to Daniel Cormier. Uh, he's going up a weight class, probably never should have been up at 205, uh, and it was on two days fucking notice, it was on two days notice, uh, and was it a snooze fest? Yeah, kinda, but, okay, comes back, he beats Brunson, by all accounts, he shouldn't have won that fight, uh, I have, uh, MMA decisions up here, which they reference, um, in the video, and only four media members had it scored for Silva, the other fucking... 20 have it for Derek Brunson so okay uh he probably uh <laughs> ah Eric Cologne had it scored 30 27 for Silva that's interesting um but okay so he probably lost that fight but it was a win all right whatever um he has a couple of canceled bouts with Kelvin Gastelum and then uh the, the video piece kind of wraps up before they can talk about stuff like this although they mention it briefly but obviously the unanimous decision lost to Israel Adesanya and then the uh, knee injury versus Cannoneer. So, okay. We look at Anderson Silva. One, two, three, four, five, six. He is one, six. He is one and six with a no contest uh, in his last eight fights. Oh, my God. He tainted his near-perfect legacy. Yeah, not really, dude. I mean, the th the, also the thing that you have to consider. These are all very, very top-level fighters. So... There's a difference between BJ Penn's losing streak and Anderson Silva's losing streak because BJ Penn, I mean, I'll pull it up, but BJ Penn's losing streak, I mean, at the beginning, he was he was facing some good fighters like I think uh, Frankie Edgar was was early on in that losing streak, but you know as as it went on, he kind of just fought like guys he definitely should have beat, yeah so. Uh, a draw with John Fitch, then he loses to Diaz, McDonald, Edgar, uh, loses to Yair, uh, and then loses to Dennis Seaver. Probably should have beat Dennis Seaver. You lost to Ryan Hall. I mean, that's that's a that's a tough one. And then you lose to Clay Guida. Like, okay, so BJ Penn's losing to fucking low-level co competition. <coughs> Excuse me. But Anderson Silva. Um, okay, let's go through his losses. Weidman. Uh, former champ, defended his belt, I want to say three times, so Silva, Machida, and Belfort, uh, Nick Diaz, I mean, I don't know, I don't think that highly of Nick Diaz, so, but whatever, but he won that fight, uh, but it was a no contest, Michael Bisping, fucking champ, Daniel Cormier, one of the greatest of all time, 
You beat Derek Brunson. People said you should have lost. Whatever. Derek Brunson's currently in the top five in the North Star Sports UFC rankings. Uh, Israel Adesanya. Ah, might be the greatest fucking middleweight of all time. So you lost to the uh, uh, the fucking current champ. And Jared Cannonier, a guy who might be champ in, in, in his next couple of fights. A guy who, you know, is pretty fucking good. I, I, don't, I, I don't think we realized how good Jared Cannonier was back in May of 2019, but he's pretty fucking good in August of 2020. So it's not like, oh, he lost to Sam Alvey and lost to Daniel Kelly and, and you know, fucking lost to these guys. No, no, no. He's losing to uh, a lot of fucking champions and guys who are ranked in like the top three. So, oh, what a fall for Anderson Silva. Not really. I mean, it's a fall from him being the greatest on the planet because he can't beat the top guys. He can't beat the elite. But just because you can't beat the elite doesn't mean you're not good. Anderson Silva's still good. Like, Israel Adesanya definitely won that fight, but it was competitive. It was competitive. And fucking Anderson Silva was 44 in that fight. Or maybe 43. But either way, an old motherfucker. So, like, okay. Like, ah, Anderson Silva, what a bitch. Anderson Silva's a bitch. Look at all these losses. Ooh, Anderson Silva. No, he's he's just old. And he's still hanging in there. He's still hanging in there. You know what I mean? So I'm never going to fault Anderson Silva for all these losses because he's he, he has the balls to step in there against guys who are the best in the world. You know what I mean? So w- whatever. And I, I'm also the guy who doesn't knock people for how their careers end. Everybody's career ends shittily. You could look at the greatest of all time, some of the greatest fighters of all time. Yeah, dude, they ended not perfect. Matt Hughes lost like three of his last four fights. Second greatest welterweight of all time. Fucking Johnny Hendricks. What a downfall for him. That guy, you know, that was the guy who beat GSP by all accounts. Fucking, you know, we're seeing it with Tyron Woodley. He's going to get fuck, probably worked by Colby Covington. Uh, fucking Fedor. A lot of people say Fedor is the greatest fucking heavyweight champ of all time. Yeah, that dude, he got knocked out by Ryan Bader, who's like a fucking top 15 light heavyweight. You know what I mean? People don't leave the sport on top. It's very, very rare. So I, I just find the whole video piece kind of unnecessary. It kind of feels like they just had to put a piece out there because uh, they, they needed to do something. But it, it doesn't make any sense. And uh, he, he still has. Well, he never had a once-perfect legacy. He had one of the greatest legacies up until 2013. And you know what? He still has one of the greatest legacies in 2020. I, so it, it's just, I don't know, man. It, it was kind of annoying watching the video, just going, mm, yeah, not really, not really. And then just not really knowing shit. Like in the video, um, they just use terms that aren't real terms. And then, I don't know, it's just little things too. But it, I, I wouldn't feel some type of way about the little things if the broad overarching themes weren't so fucking stupid. But like, uh, Anderson Silva landed a jumping knee on Michael Bisping as he was talking to Herb Dean for some reason. No, 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 no. If you did even an iota of research, you would know, or if you just watched it, if you're just an MMA fan. If you're not an MMA fan, that's fine, but why are you making this video? But no, he was talking to Herb Dean about his mouthpiece falling out. That's incredibly common knowledge. It's not for some reason. No, we, everybody, literally everybody knows the reason. So it's just weird shit like that. 
uh, you, you'd figure, uh, you know, uh, an organization that puts that much money into their videos would make them a little better. But, um, yeah, I mean, whatever. Check it out. Decide it for yourself. I don't know. Not a great video. Uh, moving on here. Uh, let's see. What do we want to talk about first? I guess we'll get this out of the way. Um, so, according to Breck, uh, Brett Akimoto a few days ago, not exactly uh, not exactly breaking news here, but the first time that uh, we've had a, a chance to talk about it, Amanda Nunes is set to defend her title versus Megan Anderson in December. Um, yeah, that's going to be a fucking murder. I, I really don't have a whole lot to say about it other than uh, this is going to go very badly for Megan Anderson. Um, I am predicting a walk-off KO. I know that there's a lot of simps out there who are large fans of uh, Megan Anderson. Um, fair enough. I am not a Megan Anderson simp. I will never simp for uh, anybody. Um, but this is this is going to be an interesting fight. And by interesting fight, I mean uh, it's going to look like a gang initiation. <laughs> Megan Anderson. First of all, Megan Anderson doesn't deserve a title shot uh, because what has she ever done in the UFC? Uh, now, I guess... I guess she deserves a title shot due to the fact that there's four fighters in the featherweight division and, like, two of them have already lost to uh, Amanda Nunes. Uh, but that's not a very convincing argument for for us giving you a title shot. Well, everybody else in this in- incredibly shallow division has already lost, so, you know, I should get the title shot. I guess. It's going to be a lamb to the slaughter. I mean... Came to the UFC, lost to Holly Holm, lost to Felisa Spencer. Uh, only really beat Katz and... I mean, maybe she would have legitimately beat Katz and Gano, but that was the fight at UFC 232 where uh, her toenail went into uh, Katz and Gano's eyeball. Um, and then... So after the Felicia Spencer loss, it's a submission choke to uh, Zara Fern Dos Santos, who is making her UFC debut, and a KO punch of Norma Dumont. Uh, somebody who also was making their UFC de- debut. So two complete tomato cans that were fed to Megan Anderson to build her up because she's uh, mildly attractive and has tattoos. Um, but being mildly attractive and having tattoos will serve you uh, not very well in the octagon if you don't have skills. And uh, Megan Anderson does not have uh, skills anywhere near the level of Amanda Nunes, so this is going to be uh, a very, very scary fight. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I don't know. She might get hurt pretty bad in this one. I mean, if you like, Amanda Nunes is the lady that walked down Chris Cyborg, probably the scariest fighter in in, in women's MMA history. Just walked her down and, and knocked her out uh, in in like 50 seconds. So I don't know. I I don't know. I would be I would be that might be the most shocking upset I've ever personally watched. If Megan Anderson beats Amanda Nunes, I would. Probably literally shit a brick if that happened. I would put I would put Amanda Nunes as the minus three thousand favorite in this fight. Uh, but yeah, that's that's literally all I have to say about that one. Uh, moving on here, let's see what else is in the mailman's grab bag here. Um, oh, we have Corey Anderson. He was responding to uh, Dana White. Um, didn't have super nice things to say about uh, Dana White. Of course, uh, Corey Anderson. I believe last week got cut by the UFC, or I guess released, same thing, uh, even though he had fights left on his contract uh, and signed with uh, Bellator, uh, who, I mean, they tell me, they tell me they have the best light heavyweight division and the best light heavyweight champ 
uh, in all of MMA. I don't know if I, I don't know if I buy that, given you know Bader got beat by a guy nobody knows. But I mean, in fairness, I don't know. We'll see with Nemkov. But I got a funny feeling Nemkov is not a, not a top five light heavyweight in uh, the UFC. Um, but I don't know. Interesting for Corey Anderson. I mean, I always thought Corey Anderson had what it what it took to be the light heavyweight champ. Uh, he's got a great wrestling base. He's still super fucking young in his MMA career, and he's only thirty. Now, I mean, he's had a couple of setbacks. Obviously, the Jimmy Manoa loss. That's a weird one to go back and watch because Manoa pretty much knocks him out with a left jab as he's stalking him down uh, around the cage. The punch doesn't even look like it had really any power on it. It was, it was really interesting. I mean, I'm sure it had plenty of power on it because you know it knocked him out, but it it just looked so effortless from Manoa. Uh, but, you know, I remember hearing Corey Anderson talk about that fight and saying that he, you know, he was so scared of Manawa's power that I think that's probably why he got knocked out because, you know, he was he just had that in his head uh, that he was going to get knocked out or could get knocked out. Um, and then obviously, you know, getting knocked out by Jan Blachowicz, I mean, that was a pretty bad, pretty bad knockout, pretty bad knockout, bad time to go for a leg kick when, uh, you know, someone's throwing a, uh, a counter punch at you. But, uh, no, I think he's I think he's really talented, and honestly, there's a lot of interesting fights to make there in Bellator's light heavyweight division. Um, will he be the champ? I, I probably think so. I think so. Um, in fairness, I don't know a whole lot about Nemkov. Maybe that guy is the real deal, but I'd probably favor Corey Anderson in a fight with Nemkov. Now, Anderson, probably like a lot of the lot of guys who come over from the UFC into Bellator and, and try to challenge for a title, he's probably going to have to get a win under his belt. Now, who will he who will he fight? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think Musasi already has a fight with Lima. Um, but, but there's fights to, to be made and, and, you know, I don't know. It's kind of, it kind of sucks to see Corey Anderson leave the UFC because I do think he could have done some things, uh, more in the UFC, but obviously he didn't really see eye to eye with old uncle Dana. But I mean, I think that's the right move. And I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if Corey Anderson becomes champ in Bellator, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's not the craziest thing to think that Corey Anderson could be back in the UFC in a few years. I mean, he's, he's certainly uh, young enough. Uh, moving on here, uh, we had a fight announcement. I believe it was yesterday or maybe the day before. Uh, Darren Till is going to be in a main event in December versus Jack Hermanson. Um, let's see if I can't pull that up here. Uh, but interesting, interesting fight. I, I don't... I don't really like it for uh, for either fighter, to be honest. Um, I certainly don't like it for uh, Jack Hermanson. Now, I'm going to pull up the North Star Sports rankings here because that will provide some clarity in the excuse me middleweight division. Um, but I don't like it. Now, I, under- I understand a lot of people already have dance partners up there at 185, but I- I'm, not a- I'm not a fan. So, Adesanya and Costa... Whitaker and Cannon near. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, I, I, I like it from a marketing standpoint for Hermanson because Darren Till is probably the biggest superstar you're going to be able to fight, the biggest name you're going to be able to fight. But Darren Till, in my opinion, is coming off of five straight losses, I want to say. Uh, potentially five straight losses. So, uh, we'll go back to 2018. He absolutely lost to Stephen Thompson. There's no fucking way. Th- that is one of the biggest robberies I've ever fucking seen. Hometown decision there. 
honestly might have lost that fight 50-45. Um, a loss to Woodley, a loss to Masvidal, a split decision win for Gastelum, which probably should have been a win for Gastelum, and then he lost to Whitaker. So, in my mind, Darren Till is on a five-fight losing streak and hasn't had a victory since October of 2017. So, I don't really like it for Hermanson. You're also looking down in the rankings, which uh, for Hermanson is probably not what you want to be doing, although, again, people are pretty busy at the top of the rankings here. It is one of the more active divisions. Um, if, you're, if you're going to look down in the rankings, honestly, instead of Darren Till, if I was Hermanson, I'd probably rather face Chris Weidman. You know, he's sitting there at number 9 um, in in the North Star Sports rankings. I think he's number 11 in the UFC rankings. So Hermanson is number 4 in, in our rankings. Um, so that is a big step down, but, if, but Darren Till is number 7. So, you know, it's only two spots different. It's going to be a much easier fight versus Weidman. Um, and it's it's a bigger name. It's a former champ. Uh, Till is still going to be a tough test, but you know, if you lose the Till, that's that's not going to look super great uh, for Hermanson. Um, I don't know. Kind of weird that Cannoneer's getting the fight with Whitaker instead of uh, uh, Hermanson, given how active he is. Although I mean, I guess he has the head-to-head win over Hermanson, so I guess it makes sense. But you know, like a Derek Brunson, that would even make more sense than a, a Darren Till. Uh, because I think stylistically that's going to be an easier matchup for Hermanson. Uh, still tough, but an easier matchup. And Brunson is at number five. Um, so I, I don't like it. And for Till, I don't really like it for Till either. I mean, it's a chance for him to get back into the top five. Because, I mean, that's probably the highest ranked opponent that Till could fight at, at, at the moment. So you got to respect that. But if I'm Till, let's just get a fucking win. Can we just get a fucking win? We haven't won since fucking 2017. Can we just get a win? So if I'm Till... I'd rather fight fucking Chris Weidman. Why don't I fight that? Going to be an easier fight against the old man who's a bigger name. Or fucking, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I guess a lot of people are fucking busy. Maybe or even Derek Brunson. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Not not really a big fan. It will be a good fight, though. It will be a good and interesting fight. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Not really looking forward to, to the, the, the matchups in that one. Uh, moving on here, let's see what else we got on the mailman's grab bag. Um, oh, so we have a comment here. This comes from uh, Bloody Elbow. Uh, Javier Mendez, who's uh, the head coach at uh, AKA, was talking about a potential matchup between Khabib Nurmagomedov and George St. Pierre. And uh, basically what he said is that the winner of that fight uh, would be the greatest fighter of all time. I disagree. I disagree. I think it. I think it could. I think it, you know what. I think it would for three months. I think that would make you the greatest fighter of all time for three months. Uh, and I'll explain why after I take this large sip of coffee. So, John Jones is the greatest fighter of all time. You can't convince me otherwise. He's never lost a fight, and he's had the toughest schedule of all time. Since those are both true, you couldn't possibly make an argument that I would that I would believe to say that he wasn't the greatest of all time. Now, George St. Pierre is the second greatest greatest fighter of all time in my opinion. Khabib, he's probably in the top ten right now. I I don't know. I haven't thought I have not thought too much about where Khabib lies in, in the all time rankings, just because I guess his fights his fighting career is still going on and it's still 
I mean, listen, Khabib has not faced the highest level of competition for the majority of his career. He certainly has the last few fights, and, and this is really, really helping his legacy, but he still has to beat some more guys. Now, if he beats Gaethje and St. Pierre, holy shit, he's going to skyrocket. He might he might be on the Mount Rushmore, but definitely not the greatest fighter of all time. Um, George St. Pierre, if he beats Khabib, Jesus Christ, I mean, he'd be a three... No, 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 he's... I think technically he's a four-time UFC champion because middleweight, welterweight twice, and then the interim welterweight title if you count that. I mean, I guess technically. But, you know, champ at welterweight, champ at middleweight. If he becomes champ at light heavy, or light heavy, Jesus. If he becomes champ at lightweight, I mean, he'd be the first ever UFC champ uh, in, in three different weight classes. Yeah, I mean, you could, you could make a case St. Pierre would be the greatest of all time. But why I say for a couple of months, because Khabib and Gaethje are supposed to fight in November. So a likely turnaround probably would be in April for Khabib and George St. Pierre. Um, I don't think Khabib is the greatest fighter of all time if he beats St. Pierre, although beating the second greatest fighter of all time certainly is going to fucking propel you very high in the all-time rankings. But for St. Pierre, yeah, I'd buy it. I'd put him as the greatest fighter of all time. But... We look at what's happening in the heavyweight division. Ngannou and Stipe are going to fight probably later this year, which means that John Jones is probably going to get a title shot sometime in 2021. I'd probably say International Fight Week. I think John Jones spends the next 11 months bulking up, getting ready. He doesn't take a single fight at heavyweight until he gets a crack at the title. I think the title will be available uh, to be defended. Whether or not Ngannou or Stipe wins, I'm going to favor Stipe, so I'm going to say Stipe is, is the champ. And I think International Fight Week 2021 is when John Jones will fight for the heavyweight title. Once John Jones wins the heavyweight title, he's back to being the greatest of all time because he's he's never lost toughest schedule and two division weight champion, which puts him closer to GSP's three uh, three weight class champion status. If he were to win the fight, um, so yeah, I mean that's that's definitely massive, definitely massive. And potentially even puts St. Pierre ahead of John Jones, although, man, I, I I still don't know. I mean, St. Pierre's legacy is just about as good as it gets. There's no outside of the the ring shenanigans. He's only ever lost twice. He's avenged he's avenged all those losses. Uh, I mean, third longest. Well, I guess it depends on how long you, you count John Jones's title reign, because you know there was a couple of interruptions in there. Um, but defended the welterweight strap nine times. So, I mean, that, that would be interesting. That would be an all-time fight. That probably would be the biggest pay-per-view of all time, if I'm being honest. Um, and hopefully, we could have fans in the stands for that one, because that's probably going to take place early to mid-2021. Um, so hopefully, we can we can pack arenas for that one. Maybe maybe even at the Olympic Arena in, in, in Montreal. I think that would be uh, very interesting. But that I guarantee that would smash all the fucking pay-per-view records, even though the pay-per-view model is a little bit different now that, um, you know, UFC is doing business with ESPN and ESPN Plus and all that type of shit. Um, but yeah, that would be interesting. I Fuck, even if Justin Gaethje wins, why not let's just throw fucking St. Pierre in there against Gaethje? Um, it makes more sense with Khabib, but I don't know, man. I just want to see I just want to see GSP fight again. I mean, that single single fight alone would do probably more for GSP's legacy than any other one of his individual fights, even more so than Bisping, because, yeah, you moved up and became 
uh, uh, you know, a, a two-division champion. But and, and Bisping was good. He's one of the all-time greats. But, I mean, GSP's, or uh, Khabib's never fucking lost. You know what I mean? So this is a different level of a challenge for St. Pierre. But if honestly, if anybody could do it, if anybody could do it, it would be George St. Pierre. Yeah, so we'll, we'll wrap it up here. That's about all I have for today's show. We'll have a show tomorrow. Uh, not sure what we'll talk about. Probably a recap of uh, the Contender Series. Uh, so we'll talk about that. I'm sure UFC news will, will break. Um, it's still the early afternoon, um, so I don't think I've seen any new fight announcements. But, uh, you know, today is the day where fight, annou- fight announcements generally come out for the UFC uh, because they, they typically like to do that on Tuesday. Um, but, yeah, we'll wrap it up here. So, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. Uh, North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M I N the Mailman at Owen the Mailman, and you can check out NorthStarSports.media. We have rankings; they're they're constantly evolving, constantly updated. They're the best rankings, simply the best rankings you're gonna find. I mean, you know, the UFC's official rankings, pff, fucking dog shit. They got nothing on you know. They 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 care about big names. We care about who truly is ranked in in a particular order. So, I mean, you're not going to find any flaws with our rankings. I mean, you know, just, just the best, just the best. So with that, we'll wrap it up. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.